Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, hello and welcome along to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Well, Six Nations is up and running. What a weekend it was. Three away victories. Alan, you were in Cardiff. Big win for Ireland, all five points. What did you make of it? Some start to the championship for them? Yeah, it was a brilliant start. I think we were, both Matt and I were a little bit nervous about uh, this game for obvious reasons. Um, you know, the Warren Gatland effect, the experience they had, all that kind of stuff. Um on the other side, and we both said it last week, we we think this Ireland side is a very good side. Um, we're probably hesitant to get too carried away, even still. Um, but it was a very um, welcome, uh, brilliant performance from Ireland, particularly in that first half. I think their efficiency at the breakdown, their lines of running, their continuity, all superb. Um, so really clinical in what they did early in the game. And, um, you know, really... Uh, punish Wales when they got inside that 22 and um, the first two tries, superb work, teamwork right across the board. James Lowe's third try, I think, is fortuitous, say the least. But, um, and I think the most pleasing thing, and Matt will probably say this as a coach, when you're when you're tested and you're hanging on a little bit, Ireland's defence was really good. They scrambled a lot, um, put in some big carries and, and won some big turnovers. Issues, discipline, Probably a lack of control after half time and maybe a better kicking game. But um I think it was a good thing. And to get a bonus point win in round one in Cardiff was uh was a brilliant result for Ireland. Yeah, Matt, Alan touched on the start there. Did you expect that from Ireland? Like they just completely shot out of the block so well. Well, we should have expected it, Stu, but I I we had discounted it because if you look back on Ireland's performances over the last fifteen months. They've made a real habit of starting fast, you know, against New Zealand in both tests, uh, scored first against South Africa, scored first against Australia. That they, it's obviously something that they've worked at. It's easy for a coach to say, you know, we've got to start well. But it's great credit to the coaching staff and the players that they do it so consistently. Wales just could not live with the tempo that Ireland were playing at, the pace that they were playing at. And the, their intent early on, they went wide, they kicked long, they Defence was strong. And then when they got, you know, within that 15, 20 metres of the try line, they were just ruthless. It was uh, – and the game, in in hindsight, the game was all over as at the 25-minute mark after Lowe's intercept try. Um, worryingly, uh, they gave away a lot of penalties. And while I thought Andrew Porter was absolutely superb, I thought he had a, was outstanding in so many aspects of play, you know, he gave away five penalties. So – they can't do that against France because what that did, that invited Wales back into the game. We've got to say it, Wales was simply not good enough to take advantage of all the penalties that Ireland presented them. France will be. So while it wasn't perfect, there was some adversity there that Andy Farrell will be happy with. But, you know, the the, the big plus is Finlay Boulin, fantastic. Connor Murray had a really, really good game. You know, the, the, the people that were asked to step up, Stuart McCluskey, again, were, were really... Not more than positive. They were absolutely rock solid in their performances. And that's what Farrell said. Like Farrell said in a really north of England way, he'd hoped the bus was late. He wanted more adversity to put his team under before the World Cup so they could learn to cope with things when things go wrong, because they do. But it was a, an, an outstanding performance. You know, if, if someone had said it was before the game, that's a, would you take that score line? We'd take your arm off. So it was a great win. Yeah, um, Matt mentioned there the guys that come in, Balaam, I suppose McCluskey's had a couple of starts in a row now, but like you were really impressed with them, I imagine. What did you feel they added? You know, it was a big day for those two boys specifically. 
Um, I just think they looked comfortable in what they were trying to do. They brought um, the intensity and did their jobs pretty well. I think if you have anyone coming into a team like that, and I think it's a hallmark of this team in the last probably two seasons is um, when there's some changes and people step up. Um, at times, the depth has been challenged. And uh, we know that that's something that all coaches in this kind of World Cup rugby cycle have been trying to do, get more depth, have real impact off the bench. Um, Andy Farrell has capped a lot of players in the last couple of seasons. And so for Finley Bealham to come in and look pretty comfortable in what he's doing, uh, to know his role inside out, not just from his the basics, you know, prop has to scrummage. He's got a lift in the line out. He's got to work hard in the mall. But I think he's a really intelligent footballer. He works hard around the field, puts in a lot of tackles and has an awareness about what's going on in front of him. So um, we, we said it, it, you know, Antonio, who's going to be tight head for France on Saturday, is 145 kilos. That's probably the extreme, but most tight heads in the world rugby are 120, 125 kilos. Finley Bielham doesn't have that sheer size and weight behind him. So he's got a bunch above his weight. Sometimes he struggled against bigger front rows when he's played with Connacht. Um, you know, so he's going to be targeted if he, on Saturday again by Cyril Bai, who's a very good prop and he's proven uh, international quality player. So he's done very well, Finley Bielham. And, you know, technically in everything he does, and, you know, I watch back some of the malls, his body position in mall is superb. Um, and, you know, so he's improved his game immensely and he's up to a level that um, he deserves to be there. Stuart McCluskey, the same. I think we've, we've, We've spoken about Stuart for a long, long number of years and he's been there, thereabouts. He's not a young player. Um, showed some really good touches the other day and he's just more than a battering ram. His hands are really good. He's offloading games. So um, they both played really well and just did their jobs exactly as you would want them to do as a coach and looked comfortable. Matt, well, Alan touched on it there. Uh, France this weekend, a very different um Kettle of fish, I suppose. <laughs> Big boys, to say the least. They've picked the same 15. You're going to expect a very different side than the one that played against Italy performance-wise, aren't you? Uh, Stewie, one of the hallmarks of uh, Fabian Galtier's national team has been a return of discipline. And they've been a very disciplined side. They gave away 19 penalties the other day. Like, how do you win a game when you give away nine? That's 19 sets of possession, 19 chances to you know, either kick a goal or kick the touch, then more. But they presented so much opportunity to Italy, which has taken nothing away from the Italians, who looked a vastly improved team from past seasons. So that's nothing taken, not, nothing against the Italians. But but the French were poor. And when they scored, like the, the, they scored three soft tries early on, I, I guess a little bit like Ireland. And they mentally went walkabout. They, they, they lost their edge after those soft tries. They thought, well, the rest of it's going to come, and it didn't. But, uh, look, uh, and if, if that was the French teams of the past, we'd be very critical. But they have been so good for so long. I think we, we are well within our rights to look at form over a long period of time and say, I don't think they'll do that this week. I think they'll be much better this week. Their physicality is massive against Ireland. They will learn from Lara Shell, Stewie. This is this is something I think we should take into account. They will look and say, "How did Lara Shell beat Leinster? If you can beat Leinster, you can beat Ireland." And what did Ronan O'Gara, one of Ireland's favourite sons, coach, get into them physically at the ruck, slow it down, but grab possession and do not give it back. Hold the ball for long periods of time. Make them tackle. Make them work. And it was a close run thing, but it worked. Now, I expect France to play with, with a similar attitude, remembering also the French have uh, kicked the ball more than any other team in the Six Nations. So we're, we're going to see a very different style of play, um, but a, a style of play aimed at uh, nullifying Ireland's strengths. So, again, I don't think they'll kick the touch. I think they'll really attack the ruck. They'll really go at Boulam. Uh, in the scrum, as Alan said, but I think I think Cyril Bay and Machon as a hooker, the hooker, and Loosehead will go at Boulam and allow Antonio with his 145 kegs to take to hold the ground on the other two Irish tight head and hooker, and they will they will really go at Boulam. 
So it's an interesting day coming up. We also have to remember the only time um, since Paul O'Connell took over as a line-out coach where he's done such a superb job, the only game where uh, the Irish line-outs struggled was against France. So, again, they'll come at us in, in that, that zone. I think we've just got to understand that there's going to be no contest um, like this contest this week we've seen at the Aviva in recent years. Maybe the South Africans, maybe. But th this is a very different kettle of fish. This is a fresh French side. They're not at the end of a long season like the, the, the Southern Hemisphere boys were. They are hungry. They have a goal. They know what they're after. There are trophies at stake. And they are—they know whoever wins this is going to has got the strong, strong chance of a Grand Slam maximum and a, and a winning the championship minimum. Is this is going to be a battle that is totally different from ones we've seen in a long time? Yeah, um, do you just think you know the power of France? They will counteract that. They will counter the breakdown, as Matt said. Just go after the scrum. You know, last year that's exactly what they did, and they come out only by a couple of points, but they beat Ireland. Is that what you are expecting? Just physicality and really go after the breakdown, as I've mentioned? Yeah, um, it's it's going to be no surprise to anyone. I think um, Julian Marchand, the hooker, is um, you know one of the best in the world. Uh, he's brilliant at the breakdown. Gregory Aldrich, uh, Jelanch, um, superb at the breakdown as well. So um, it's not going to be a surprise. You know, Cameron Walkie is missing for them. He's kind of their line-out specialist. Flamont plays in the second row. Um, I'm still not uh, fully convinced on Flamont, the impact he has. He's a good footballer around the field. I thought Walkie and Willems have worked really well in the second row last year, but um, it's a very powerful side. Antonio is, is, you know, he caused some problems for Andrew Porter in, in, in Paris last year. Um, but I think if Ireland look back at that game, I think they probably um, needed to have a little bit more variety and stop. France at source from getting kind of their mall going forward or the big runners getting over the gain line. And from my recollection, um, when I look back in that France game last year, there was a lot of issues that Ireland didn't cope with. And that was line speed, closing the gap in the line out, um, some not clear releases at breakdown. So there was about five or six, maybe there could have been more, seven or eight pieces that uh, uh, things that went against Ireland that could have been penalties in their favour um, that didn't happen but at the end of the day I think Munster or Ireland I think they 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 panicked a little bit and then realised that they're so far behind in the game they started chasing it so I think Ireland have to play with tempo and pace and you're all you does not you can't eradicate the power and Matt Matt I think I keep referencing Matt as a coach. If you're a coach preparing against France, if you run in around the guts of them all the time, you're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. um, Leinster showed it last year when they dismantled Toulouse in that semi final in the Aviva. Pace, tempo, accuracy, work rate, and that's the that's the way Ireland have to play. Um, if France can control the game and and they have the world's best in Dupont at, at scrum half. He's just so good with the ball, without the ball, defensively as well. And uh, he's just everywhere. They kick a lot. So Ireland have got to protect that backfield and just know when to run back with it and know when to kick and just play a tactically good game. And I, I, I think they they could be okay then. But, you know, scrum is one that inevitably you just have to have scrums in a game and Ireland have got to make sure they're set early and ready and get that right. Yeah, Matt, uh, Ireland picked their team later on this afternoon. Looks like maybe a couple of injuries or issues which we're not sure if they're going to start with uh, Dan Shane and Connor Murray. How important is it those guys do come through and do start this weekend? Well, I think in the long run, Stu, I think it'd be great to see Craig Casey uh, get a run in a ma start a major international. Um, you know, Dan Sheen is a is a Huge blow. He's a magnificent player. I thought he had a superb game last week. You know, you've got we've got you know backup there that can go with it. So, but I think what again, if you look at what Andy Farrell's trying to get out of this Six Nations, not just a trophy, and Ireland are in with a trophy, 
He is trying to test his team. And he's he's quite open in saying that. I want I want the team to be in adversity. I want them to know what's going on. He'll welcome the opportunity for depth in in his side uh, to, to gain that experience. Now, we just spoke about Finley Beal and Stuart Mac, uh, I almost said Stuart McElvoy there. You didn't get a run in the centres, did you, Stuart? <laughs> Stuart McCluskey. Just, just a tan, Matt. But you're available. I was not right, Stuart, you're available. <laughs> a slow tan that can kick corners, Matt. You know, they, look look what that opportunity has given them. Look at the opportunity. He's keeping he's, um, uh, Bundiaki on the bench. Now, who would have said that seven or eight months ago? Like, it wasn't going to happen. So I think that we've got to keep the silver lining inside the cloud here. And I know during the Six Nations, and, and it means so much, and people get caught up in the moment and they want to win. And I get that. And I've never been in a contest I didn't want to win and I could never imagine going to a team and saying it's not important you win today the team would walk away from it every game's important but I think what's more important in the long run is that Ireland test out as many players as they can on this journey to the World Cup because as important as the Six Nations and the other parties as we've learned from Leo Cullen who I think is the best club selector in the world at the moment Trust the depth. Trust the guys you've had in your system. And when the opportunity comes, if you trust them, they don't let you down. So I don't think – I know Craig Casey won't let um, – if, if he starts, won't let the team down. And and you know whichever way they go, whether whether it's Herring starts, we're not sure. But, you know, let, he won't let the team down. So the guys they have in, in reserves will, will be good. And then when we get to the World Cup, all of this is money in the bank. So – I, I'm very, very confident that they can take stand toe-to-toe with France. I'm not confident about who's going to win. I'm not confident either side is going to win because it's so close. There's a cigarette paper in it. But I am confident that, that whoever walks on in a green jersey will be capable of uh, going toe-to-toe. Casey was against DuPont at the Aviva in the quarterfinal uh, last year, and he was fantastic. He was absolutely superb. So let's, you know, and, and Connor and so on when, he came, when they came on. There's no problems there for me. Brilliant. Well, firstly, a big welcome to former Leinster and Ireland player Dan Levy. Dan, how are you getting on? How did you enjoy watching Ireland beat Wales? Um, getting on very well. Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed by that Irish team uh, to go over there um, to beat Wales in that, particularly in that first half, uh, the fashion, the way they did it, um, to kind of counteract that Welsh boost with Gatlin back in charge. Uh, was really, really impressive. I think they played pretty much a, an unplayable first half in terms of giving Wales very, very little access into the game. Uh, their discipline was incredible. They won a lot of their, their gain line um, in both carries and uh, and defence. And, you know, like Wales, Wales looked absolutely, you know, dumbstruck with the intensity and um, the accuracy that Ireland played with in the first half. Um, lost it a little bit in the second half. There was a couple of penalties that I was looking at, just like giving Wales a little bit of access. I know Porter sliding in at the end when when Wales went over for the try, leading straight into a penalty. And they're the kind of small little things that will swing a crowd against you. Uh, I know Henderson also, um, uh, when Bigger put the kick through and he, he jumped and, and, and hit him late. Um, small little things like that, you didn't need to do it. And it kind of allows Wales to get a little foothold into the game. So they made it a teeny bit harder on themselves than than, than I thought they could have. But uh, all in all, very, very impressive uh, for a first outing. Yeah, if we just stay with you, Dan, the lads chatted there, obviously, about the French physicality. And you've mentioned there about maybe in that second half conceding penalties. Is that a worry uh, for you this weekend if Ireland want to beat France? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, rugby is a pretty simple game. Who wins the, the game line? dictates a lot of a lot of the match so um it's one thing stopping a pretty aging wales team uh, and another stopping the big huge french pack that's coming over um you know they've got incredible athletes littered throughout the team um and you know if we think back to what happened in the state of france last year um a lot of the game was was um was won in the collisions and i think france won that last year so um, that being said, uh, I think there's been a lot of growth in the Irish squad since um, since then. I mean, you know, the South Africans came came over, 
Um, everyone knew that what was going to happen when they did come, and Ireland um, more than dealt with that. So I'm sure they'll take a lot of confidence from that. But you know, um, as much as I agree with Matt, is it is 100 an opportunity to grow towards the World Cup. This is like in the short term, it's almost like a final. It's almost like knockout rugby. Um, I think a lot's going to be on the line for this game. So it's a great opportunity for the Irish team to just test themselves and what what is going to be you know the team to beat come the World Cup. Yeah, I'm just on that. Do you, are you expecting Ireland just to play, pick up the tempo and go and try, you know, to play the balls out the back like they did against Wales? And that, that's obviously going to hurt France if it, if it works. Yeah, Stuart, I think um, it'll be dictated by by um, the defensive co- defence coach for France, which is uh, Sean Edwards. So if you... Obviously, if you're watching Ireland and the accuracy and the lines are running and the balls out the back that they play and little loop passes and stuff like that, um, sometimes it's pretty hard to defend it. Um, even though you know it's coming, you've got to get a real um, good continuity in your line speed and, and continuity in that defensive line. So uh, I think Ireland will be mindful of it. Will they go away from it because of Sean Edwards? Because um, uh, DuPont shoots out of the line and They'll try and stop Ireland at source. And Matt said it a minute ago. They're, you know, they kick a lot. They kick up the middle of the field a lot. Um, they kick the most in the Six Nations, I think. And they want to try and pin teams back. And when they get into the 22, they try and overpower you or they come up with some brilliance. And they're very good at that. So um, I think Ireland have got to stick to their guns, try and play with pace, tempo. And I referenced the Toulouse, Leinster Toulouse game last year again. The way Leinster started that game would be perfect for the way Ireland would want to start. Where you get early scores, you're playing with a um, just a tempo that's difficult to get the ball back off them. Um, so I don't think Ireland will change too much. But if, if there was anything, I would say Ireland just got to be careful about what they do in their own half. Um, and I would love to see a little bit more longer kicking and a real good kick chase, obviously, then to put pressure on France. They'll probably just kick it straight back up the field, and you've got to be patient. So um, it's just about the right moments and striking at the right moments. So I don't think Ireland changed too much, but I think they will be mindful of Sean Edwards and something different, you know, a Fiku shooting out of the line or someone like that to try and stop it from getting uh, getting out of the wings. Um, the inside trail runners and stuff are really important around that. So um, they won't change too much, but very mindful of Sean Edwards. And Matt, it's not often DuPont's quiet two weeks in a row. <clears throat> no. Uh, and I think in terms of, Stuart, as I've spoken to you about, teams have changed their defensive system when they played DuPont. So, uh, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, when professionalism came, the first, the first players arriving at the ruck didn't move. So it was a tackle first two or three players just arrived and stayed at the ruck. Then the rest of the defensive system moved around them, flowed. Um, the last few years or 10 years, we've had what we call flow defence, where if you're the first arriver, you can move and so on, depending where what's happening in the game. And that's what DuPont, what, during that period, DuPont made break after break after break close to the ruck. And teams have gone back, when they, just when they're opposing DuPont, Teams have gone back to that old defensive system of setting up two or three defenders. First guys arriving, don't move. Take DuPont out of the game. Munster did it brilliantly in the quarterfinal. And then you press forward to deny them space. You don't slide out. There's, everyone holds their zone, if you like, a bit like zone defence in basketball. And it's had, a, it's had an effect in nullifying the breaks that DuPont is, um, is making. But remember, every defensive system... Is not perfect. If you're gonna if you're gonna mark Dupont, there's space somewhere else. So what, while if you're taking six six defenders close to the ruck three on either side, and you're gonna hold because we've got to take care of Anton Dupont, which I get, that means there's six defenders not somewhere else in the field. So there's space in other places, and and Ireland will will be looking for that. Um, but Dupont is magnificent in 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 other aspects. If you if you and it's his decision making. If one of those defenders at one ruck is slightly out of position. You can see DuPont at every ruck is scanning the feet of the first two or three defenders. He's, a, he's an absolute genius because while I can say it, to do it in the heat of battle, scan the feet, and if you, he sees a set of feet that are turning out away from him so he can get an inside shoulder, he goes every time. And, and he, he's, he's picking is almost perfect. 
He doesn't always get away with it. Sometimes he's got to offload or sometimes he has tackled himself. But when he goes, it's because the defender has not been square, has been has been turning towards the sideline. And to keep him out of the game, it, it's a great challenge. And then when you throw across, like Italy did a pretty good job, they throw to Enemac, Enemac two or three crossfield kicks, two tries. So they've got a lot of a lot of choices in that halves. But the halves only go as well as their pack, and the pack is the key. If the pack goes forward, DuPont will find a way to pick a hole somewhere. Yeah. Well, Dan, as a former back row, how do you stop the pack and how do you stop them competing at the breakdown? <clears throat> um, yeah, well, it comes down to that access in the first place. So um, they need to cut as many of the silly penalties as they can. They need to keep the ball in hand and not really give, you know, a knock on can be very, very costly in this game. Um, goes to a scrum. If a scrum penalty off that, and then you're you're back, you know, forty yards and defending a line out, and you know, the guys have already alluded to it. Like they are a huge pack, um, they're gonna want to scrum and maul Ireland, um, and once that pressure comes on, it's gonna tighten up the Irish defence, and then you've got you know, De Mortier, you've got Ramos, and you've got um, Penno on the wings, who are also incredible athletes. So, um. How to nullify it? Um, don't give them as much access. Um, and I mean, ball and play. Like as I said, they're huge bodies, and um, which is which is a massive advantage if the if the ball isn't in play for a long time. But they tire a lot quicker as well. So Ireland are going to want to have hold on to the ball, put make these big men move and put them through the phases, and then um, they'll get their rewards in the last kind of sixty minutes. And Dan, if Ireland were to lose, you know, they've lost, what, three in a row against France, four would be, and then going into a World Cup, would that be a bit of a mental struggle to get over that one, especially at home if they lose on Saturday? Um, I, don't, I don't think they'll think about it like that. Um, as I said, look, it's it, it, uh, in the grand scheme of things, if they lose, it, it's probably not the worst thing, you know. Um, let France take the crown into the World Cup and... Um, let Ireland kind of uh, simmer just under the radar a little bit. Um, I don't think there'll be a mental block at all. Um, if you look at the last couple of games, they've been right in it until the end. So um, it's just about you know getting a few, one or two little inaccuracies better, um, clearing up one or two inaccuracies. And if they have their full complement of players, uh, they'll believe that they can beat anyone on their day. Well, definitely, it's going to be a big. 1 Al, if we turn to the next game, Scotland v Wales, what a performance from them at Twickenham. Be so Scotland to go and lose, but this time I think they're slightly different. What do you think? And I think they could go and win at Murrayfield against Wales. Uh, yeah, I think I think Scotland, obviously, from last week, um, will get huge energy from that. Um, I still don't know how good that English team was, so we'll, we'll you know, it's stating the obvious that we'll know more this weekend. Scotland's attack was superb. I think their variety in their game and the pace they played with. Um, obviously, the first Van der Merwe try was sensational. It was a piece of individual brilliance and power. Um, but two years ago, um, this was a game they lost. Xander Ferguson was sent off. Um, they were really frustrated. It was a game they probably would, would have won. They started the game really well. Wales got back into it and, and ended up beating them. So... Um, yeah, I think this has always been the case uh, of, of with Scotland is is their next game. They're capable of big performances and and getting results. It's about consistency, and that's probably what's frustrated Scottish the Scottish rugby fans. So, 
I think on Saturday there's a different feel about this group and if they can get uh, impose themselves up front. Wales, on the other hand, are a side that are, you know, going to be hurting after what happened. There's a number of changes in Warren Gatland's side. He's gone for youth. Uh, he's brought in some real kind of uh, energy into his side. Um, so it's a really interesting game. It's, it's, it's for again, for obvious reasons, it's a massive game for both sides because obviously Scotland win this. They go to Paris in a couple of weeks with two wins under their belt. They'll be starting to think we're going to compete for a championship here. For Wales, um, it's a long road back if they lose this game, isn't it? Because, you know, obviously they're at home to England next. But if you lose your first two games, it's very hard to kind of generate a bit of momentum. But it's early doors for Warren Gatland. But Gregor Townsend, this week, there'll be a real buzz about that Scottish camp. And uh, I think they're probably going to kick on and, and get a performance again and build on what they did at Twickenham. Matt, Gregor Townsend said there's more to come. Do you believe that too, from what you've seen from Scotland last week? Um, I think I'd fall into the Dowling Thomas category. I actually think it's the biggest game for for the Scottish team in many, many years. Maybe going right back to the 90s. There's no doubting the talent of this side. Like As Quinny said, you watch them play over the years on, on certain days. They play wonderfully. Uh, two years ago, they, beat, they won a Twickenham and they won in Paris. But they then go and lose um, games they should win. As Alan alluded to, this is exactly what happened last year. They won the Calcutta Cup uh, two years ago. They won the Calcutta Cup. And then they came home against a very poor Welsh side with ill-disciplined players sent off and they lost the game. So they're up and down, up and down, up and there's no consistency. If this Scottish side is going to fulfil their, their undoubted potential, uh, this is a massive week for them. They have to win. No one expects Wales to win. I think it's a very, very poor Welsh side. We know where Welsh rugby is, as sad as that is. It's not good for Irish rugby that Welsh rugby is in the state it's in. It's not good for any of us, but they are in a terrible state. But for Scotland, they have they have got a group of 20 to 20. You could say 23, but I think it's more 20 really high-quality players. We're still concerned about their second rowers. And so on, but they came out on sat on uh, last week at Twickenham, and they did the job. Now at home, they have to do it. I, I'm concerned that Gregor says, and I've got great respect for Gregor, but I'm concerned he says he's more in us. What this Scotland side we've been saying this for years: talk very humbly and let your let your actions do your talking for you. You know, let let because they they always talk it up, and then the next week they failed. If they just say, we know where we've been. But we, we want to show everyone we're good enough and we're going to try our guts out. That's great. Everyone will go with you. And that's what they've got to do. They've got to perform at Murrayfield and get some wins in a row. Don't expect them to win the championship. I think that's a tall order. But they certainly have to beat Italy and, and Wales <coughs> give Ireland a really good run for their money. Dan, do you see Scotland with more depth than whenever you played against them? You know, Do you think they're good enough to win four games in this championship? Um, I probably don't, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, I, I, like this, the Scottish team typically in the last couple of years, um, come out in one or two games in the tournament and, you know, have a, have a really, really good performance. Um, the guys alluded to it there, the consistency is what worries me. Um, I'd like to see them go on and push on after this and then have a serious game against France in a couple of weeks. But, um, I'd just be a little bit worried and, and they'd have to kind of prove me wrong about that, that uh, the consistency of uh, performances is there. Um, Finn Russell, he seems a wee bit more controlled over the last year or two. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I think he, he's he's definitely playing more with a, more of a maturity. There's always um, that excitement about him trying something different and... and uh, you know, throwing a crazy pass or a crossfield kick or something like that. And you don't want to coach that out of the guy. Um, but I think, yeah, he was better last week. And he's, you know, there's there's brilliance in Finn Russell. And we've said it so often. And, and that kind of sums up what, what Dan and Matt are alluding to as well. You know, he's part of that inconsistency. You know, it's it can be brilliant some weeks and then really poor the next week. So as a fly half, and I know this from playing in the forwards, you know, 
by and large, you want your fly half to keep the ball in front of you, particularly in your own half. And you know the game has changed a lot now, and teams work their way out. But Finn Russell tries some silly stuff at times. Um, but you see his execution when he gets good quality ball and good delivery, and his forwards deliver in front of himself. He is brave with the ball in hand, and I love that about him. He gives some wonderful passes. That last try that Van der Merwe scores, some of the Finn Russell passes there were, were were beautiful passes out in front, inviting players to run onto him, the timing perfect. So, yeah, I think Finn Russell needs to remember and understand that um, Saturday is about a result. I think it's, for me, it's not about a performance. I think Gregor Townsend, and you said it, is, is saying there's a lot more to come. They just have to find a way to win this, to get another win under their belts. And... Finn Russell understand when the moments are there to 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 attack and to come up with some brilliance because Wales are an absolute the doldrums and desperate and they will you know if we thought Ireland we thought they were going to come really hard at Ireland early last week they did in the second half but they're going to go after him and he needs a big game on Saturday. Yeah, he does, Matt. I know you'll have a word in this. What did you make of him going into Farrell's face when Van der Merwe got over for that try? Well, there's two parts to that. If Finn Russell had 50% of Johnny Sexton's discipline and drive and fitness, he'd be one of the greatest tens the world's ever seen. He, his natural talent is freakish. Um, running an Owen Farrell and giving him a gobful, well, you know, you live by it, you die by it. So, you know, a, a bit of sledging. And look, they're probably mates. They've been on the Dines tour together. We don't know what he said, but, you, you know, look, all fair in love and war. If you can back it up, if you talk, if you talk at the talk and you don't walk it, then it's a different story. But I think there's a lot being made of it that, that doesn't really need to be, because Van der Moor was spectacular, and you missed it, and, and Owen did miss a tackle. Owen's a fantastic defender. I, I don't think there's a lot in it. And, and look, if you're going to be put off by sledging, then the sledges won. You know, if sledge, sledging's part of the game, and if you listen to it and you're put off by it, well, that's your fault. You should just laugh and give him something back, you know. If you if you ever played a bit of cricket in Australia, you'd learn how to sledge because from day one, that's what you'd get. And and, and the, the whole point of sledging and doing that is to put you off your game. And I don't think it put Farrells off the game. I think it was just a, a little byproduct. I quite I quite <laughs> to be honest. Dan, what would you have done if he had done that to you? And how impressed have you been by Finn Russell? Yeah, I have been impressed. Um, I mean, he's always had that kind of spark and that kind of... Um, you know, extraordinary kind of aspect to his game. Uh, I like I like that he's a little bit more pragmatic in the in the game in the weekend and kind of played the percentages a little bit more. And you know, you only need to bring that that uh, X factor out a couple times a game. And and, and I think he's sometimes guilty of uh, forcing a little bit. So um, I like the little bit of maturity in the game. Yeah, I mean, as far as the sledging goes, um, Farrell wouldn't be. Uh, and he'd be a big man for the sledging himself, so he's pretty well used to it. Um, yeah, I mean, like the from from playing Scotland and England, both both teams would would be pretty into that. So um, I know it's probably ten on ten, and the cameras caught it, so it's probably bigged up a little bit more. But I can tell you, there's a lot of sledging going on in international rugby, so uh, they'd be both well used to it. Yeah, and if we stay with you down there, and we'll move on to the last game, England v Italy. England, obviously, in a slightly different place at the moment. You know, new coach coming in. You know, they'll need to put on a big performance against Italy, won't they? Yeah, um, of course they will. Um, it's obviously goes without saying that losing your first game puts you in a pretty pretty tough uh, position. And you know, if they were if they were to lose to Italy in this game, it would put Borthwick and his team under serious pressure. Um, I mean, we, we obviously all expect a big reaction um, uh, from that game. But, you know, I, I, I loved what I saw from Italy. I think it's great for the competition uh, to run France that, that close uh, at home and show the passion. And, you know, it's a young cohort of players coming through. So I thought that was awesome as well. So um, hopefully they're not just a flash in the pan now and they're done Italy. So we, hopefully we have a good game. Yeah, definitely. Um, this 10-12 axis for England seems to be becoming a bit of a problem, even more so. Yeah, and uh, obviously when you lose the match last weekend, there seemed to be issues, uh, confusion in attack at times. Two wonderful players. The problem they have is 
there's four. Um, it's very difficult to leave Mar Marcus Smith out because he has that bit of magic as well. And then that own Farrell is such a uh, such resilience and quality and and a toughness that you really want in your side. Um, the other issue is, I think, getting Tuolangi back in the side. Um, I think, I know if I was coach, I'd be having him in the side if he was half fit. Um, but I think, look, it was just one of those things. I think England are going to get better. I think they've suffered a lot. And the reality is um, they were playing a game that, um, and we saw a perfect example of that in the early days of Andy Farrell and Mike Cat, Ireland's attack. It took them some time to change the way they wanted to play. Um, that isn't disrespectful to being, trying to be disrespectful to Joe because I've always been a massive fan of Joe Schmidt, but Dan played under that, that kind of different game plan with Joe. It was all about pressure, kicking, strike plays, all that kind of stuff. You know, everybody has to change. And I think England were too good to be playing. They're trying to overpower teams, basically, and it's coming back to haunt them. And when they had to go and attack the game last weekend, they look pretty disjointed at the end because it's not something they're really comfortable with. They need to get better at that. So um, I think Marcus Smith is really important to that. So is Owen Farrell. But how do you put the two of them in the game and get the right balance and get two Lange in there as well? So I think I think it'll take a little bit of time. But um, maybe Bortwick will will weed the axe. He's out already after leaving Ben Youngs out of his squad for the weekend. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, who to pick at 10, 12, 13 for, for this weekend against Italy. Dan, just as Al mentioned there, do you think uh, being too structured can be a negative as well? Um, it depends on the game plan you're going after. Uh, to be honest, I think with Borswick at the helm now um, and Sinfield, I, they're going to play like Leicester, I'd imagine. And that's what they're going to get to. So they're going to kick the ball a lot. They're going to try bully teams and overpower teams. And it just it feels a little bit lost at the moment that they play Marcus Smith at 10, who's going to be very free-flowing, creating player. And then you're trying to implement uh, physicality, dominate up front kind of, kind of um, game plan. So they're kind of falling a little bit between the two stools, in my opinion, on that. If you're going to, like, maybe it's a little bit of identity crisis with them, but I think... You're either going to play one way or you're going to play the way Leicester play. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's probably going to take a couple of games for them and maybe this tournament to figure that out and find their direction going forward. Hey Matt, do you want to pick up off the back of that just on the identity there and which way they're trying to play? Yeah, uh, I think Dan's hit the nail on the head. Uh, and Quinny, their, their selections, Mano Tuolagi, um, definitely would be in my team. And, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I... I I think Marcus Smith's a problem at the moment. With his depth, I've said this a, a lot, he's just playing far too deep. And the structure, well, <laughs> they can only get better because when they were chasing the game, when they, when that last couple of minutes, uh, when they wanted to try to, to, to win the game, mate, they had no structure. They had Marcus Smith and Farrell clearing out rucks at, at, during one of that time, that period of time. Genge was their biggest, was carried the ball more than any player in the team. They're prop. They are, they are so lost. They don't know where they are at the moment. They are so lost. Uh, they, they can get better and they, they will get better simply because they can't get any worse. That, that's, that's as bad a performance as I've ever seen from an England side. And, and let me tell you, back in the 80s, there were some shocking performances from England sides. That was, that was diabolical and at home. Now, what they do against Italy, I, I don't know, but... At, with the, with a game plan of power, they can probably do that against Italy. And I, I was really happy with the way Italy played. They looked comfortable. They never gave up. They gave away soft points. They didn't give away those soft points. They would have won that. But as you come back to England, like they they just were rudderless in every aspect. So there's a Borthwick's you know guy I got respect for, but he's got an ocean of work to do because whatever his message is, whatever plan they got. It's not getting transferred from the training ground to the playing ground. And that's the coach's job. If it's not getting there, not getting to the ground, it's, it's the coach's responsibility to find a way to get it there. And it certainly didn't make it last week. Oh, there are big words there. As bad as performance as Matt's ever seen from an England side? Um, 
In attack, Stu, in attack. Yeah, in attack, yeah. No, I agree, yeah, in attack, yeah. And it's clarified that. He'll have all the English people on tweeting him again now. He, he's inviting all these um, these punters to attack him again. He he's was, smiling um, away there. Yeah, I yeah, the he truth, <laughs> No, England's attack was blunt. And my that's my point. Um, and I do agree with Dan that, you know, there's you got to play, if you have a big, strong pack and you have a, an imposed, physically imposing side, you play to your strengths. But I do think the game's change now, particularly if you need to score tries and you need to chase things. You need to be comfortable and have shape, um, have structure and attack, have your runners, uh, frontline runners and runners out the back, all being options of, of carrying well. And attack is not about going wing, 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 wing all the time. It's about runners, forwards, being able to give little offloads, tip on passes, all that kind of stuff, be ambitious and comfortable with lines of running. And right at the end of that game last last Saturday, England looked lost, one-out runners. You you need to try, you need to score a try to win a game. And all we saw was one-out runners over and back, over and back, over and back. And even the work rate around the corner was poor. No shape in that. And that is down to not um, working on that, implementing it in training and having it in your game plan um so attack is about multiple phase getting up into the 10 15 20 phases and then somebody doing something brilliant and that plan and structure just paying off um you know every, everyone can attack really well for two three four phases but it's when you get into the the teens and your lines are running are still good your options, your frontline runners have their hands up waiting for a ball. Little pocket, they've gone through it. So England England need to get to that, I think. And that's, Bordwick said it himself. They have so many things wrong with their game. Um, and that was so brave of him last week. And I thought it was really honest of him. So really poor an attack. I think we'll, it'll take time for them. But, um, you know, I don't see them being a threat in this championship when I... Before the start of it, I thought they they would be, but it's a terrible start for them. Uh, interesting, Stu, I'll throw in there. Scotland had to make almost 250 tackles in that game. So that it's not like England didn't have possession. 250 tackles. France and Wales uh, also made over 200 tackles, which is a, a lot of defence from uh, from teams, which tells you about the dominance of possession from the, from the, the teams that they opposed. Well, just before we go, because we missed Dan at the start. Dan, are you surprised, just bringing it back to Ireland, how much they've improved in a particular attack, particularly over the last couple of years, and even your expectations of them, like has it gone past what you maybe thought back, you know, over the last couple of years? Um, no, I mean, like from being in and around the squad and knowing the players, I'm not surprised at all. Um, unbelievably hungry, unbelievably driven group. Um whatever talk there is about the media about whatever being one in the world and having a shot at the world cup they um that has always kind of been their goal they they look at every single game as an opportunity to win and they, i don't i don't think they ever don't back themselves so uh i'm not i'm not really too surprised at it um i hope they can keep up the momentum and um i have uh, i have a good feeling about this weekend now um anytime you know they've lost multiple games against an opposition, and they kind of people start to doubt them. They they come out and they turn doubters to believers. You know, even last week I was guilty of thinking Wales might have a bit of a boost and might make it hard for Ireland. And that first half was honestly the some of the best rugby I've seen from from a side in forty minutes in a long time. So um, they should take take serious confidence going into the weekend if they can stop that French power game. Um, give them as little access and and, and keep their, their their discipline high. We're we're in for a cracking game, particularly yeah. at home as well. With that, with the with with the home fans and stuff, um, it's very very hard to beat Ireland at home. So it'll be it'll be a great game. Yeah, it is hard to beat them at home. And lastly, on that, Dan, just how much more do you think is in Ireland? Like, do you still think they're a wee bit away from peaking? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, as I said, that forty minutes was, you know, some of the best rugby I think I've seen them play. Albeit the the opposition wasn't maybe at the standard, but you know, if you look at that team that played, um, you add in a Tyke Furlong, Jemson Gibson Park, Robbie Henshaw, um, Ronan Kelleher, Keen Healy. There's a lot of players that didn't play, um, and people just got called in. And 
you know, the depth is really getting there finally for an Irish team, which is also very encouraging because, you know, we all know the Irish starting team will be very, very potent. But what happens if you pull out a couple of players and how how, how thin do they get and, and how much will that knock off on their performances? And uh, it went a long way to proving me that they are in the right direction and they are growing still as a team. So um, I, lo I love what they're doing at the moment. I love the direction they're going in. And um yeah, hopefully they can they can do the job this weekend. Yeah, pretty good direction, as you say. All right, going forward. Al, Matt, Dan, we'll start with Al. Predictions, what are we saying this weekend? Are we back in the Scots? Well, I said England last week, didn't I? So I got that one wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I, th I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go, our, yeah, three home wins, Ireland, um, Scotland and England. Um I think Saturday, the other game could be a cracker. If we get anything like we did last week, the excitement was brilliant. So um, Ireland, Scotland, England for me. Hopefully Matt? Italy can produce a performance as well. Yeah, I look on, on the same as Alan's two weeks in a row, Quinny, and we got it wrong against England. But the, the thing about the, the game at the Aviva, I, I, I'm saying Ireland, but look, this, this, that's probably going with my heart. Because I just think there's nothing in this game. Yellow card, a red card in particular. This game is so evenly poised because as strong as Ireland are at home, they are weakened, as Dan pointed out. I think there's lots of pluses in that in the long run for giving the players opportunity. I think that's a great thing. And I think Andy Farrell needs to be applauded for what, what he's doing with his side. But this is a great French side. Not quite at full strength, but not far off it. So... Like if, if if that goes the other way, France win that. I'm not surprised. It's 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 too close to call with great confidence, but I, I believe Ireland can get there. I, I suppose that's what I'm basing my decision on. And lastly, but not least, Dan, no pressure. First time in the podcast, you got better get these predictions right. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I say Ireland by a score. Um, I think um, Scotland will win and I think England will bounce back. So, yeah, same call. Brilliant. Dan's been great to have you on, Alan, as always, and Matt. Don't forget to join us on Saturday afternoon as Scotland take on Wales and Virgin Media 1 from 4.15. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Thank you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com